Welcome to the Beauty Box Podcast, a toolbox for the bold and beautiful women who are ready to show up powerfully, unapologetically, and wholeheartedly in their life, business, and relationships. Tune in every Thursday for tips on how to overcome blocks and create space for breakthroughs, beauty, and bliss. This is your host, V, transformational coach and space maker. You are listening to a special edition of the Beauty Box Podcast. We are here with Nisha Hines, owner and founder of Girl Foundation. Today, Nisha will be talking to us about domestic violence. We are dedicating this show to all of the domestic violence survivors and in honor of bringing up domestic violence awareness. Nisha, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. I'm so excited that you are on the Beauty Box Podcast and that you are going to share such amazing things with us today. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Grow Foundation is and what it is you do? Um, Grow Foundation is a nonprofit organization that officially was just recognized. It was incorporated officially in the state of Virginia as of August of this year. Grow is an acronym for Girls Recognizing Our Worth, and I started it um, as a way to provide resources for domestic violence victims and survivors, as well as bringing awareness to this epidemic. I also started it just as a way to offer mentorship to young girls and women, because I believe that if you teach them while they're young, you know, about self-worth, self-respect, self-love, and then it'll, you can't prevent everything. No one knows, like, when, if you'll ever get into a domestic violence situation, but with self-worth, you know, recognizing what you do deserve and what you don't, you'll be more likely to walk away from a situation that isn't healthy for you, that just doesn't seem right. So I have a daughter, I have sisters, a mother, and I just looked at it like, you know, what can I do as far as giving back to the community to just do my part to bring awareness to this and just offer from my experience which you can and can do to to move forward and, and beat this. So that's why I started it. Awesome. There's a lot of juicy information right there. Um, <laughs> so what led you to want to start it? Like what experiences, um, what is kind of your passion for this? My passion behind it is that I am a survivor myself of domestic violence and I, it's been, it's going on five years since I left that relationship, and I started telling my story two years ago by way of, um, I do spoken word poetry, so the first time I told my story was on stage, and it was just, I just felt like I had to get it out because I kept quiet so long about it, and um, I, I remember just breaking down on stage, like I couldn't even get through it, and from there, just the overwhelming support and just the feedback that I got from people. But even more than that, it was people coming up to me saying, I understand, I've been through it, I'm going through it too. And it was just like, wow. So at first to me talking about it, it was about trying to heal myself from things that I hadn't necessarily dealt with in the past. But as time went on, I found that it was healing others. So it just kind of became my passion, like, you know, um, if I can, if my pain 
has a purpose, then, then you know, I know what I need to do. So I've just used my voice everywhere I can. I speak at schools, shelters, seminars, conferences, just anywhere I can be a voice, then I do it. And now it's just even a step beyond that. I can talk to people in the grocery store or the mall or my job or anything and just tell anybody my story and just the response is overwhelming in itself. So that's what kind of drives me to keep doing it. Definitely an awesome, uh, an awesome why um, to drive your vision and your values. So I kind of wanted to use this podcast just to um, shed a little bit of light on exactly, you know, what domestic violence is and how it affects so many people in silence. Like you said, like so many people keep that bottled up and they keep that inside. And then, you know, when it's kind of like a trickle effect, like when one person says that they're experiencing it, then a lot of people, um, you know, are able to kind of face face the reality of like, maybe I am in this kind of situation myself. Um, So yeah, if you could, if you could share with us, like, what your exact, you know, belief and definition is that domestic violence consists of, and then also, um, if there's anybody listening that may be struggling, like what, what steps would you recommend? Okay, domestic violence is it can and just to throw that out there, it can be done by the aggressor can be a man or a woman. It doesn't necessarily have to be just where the male is always the aggressor. You can have a male be an abuser, a female, heterosexual relationships, homosexual relationships, it doesn't matter. But it's when they call it um, intimate partner violence. Also, when your partner exercises um, use of intimidation or harm to control you. So whether it doesn't necessarily have to be physical, you know, someone intimidating you with with verbal abuse, name calling, um, demeaning, belittling you, um, calling you stupid, calling you, I, I don't know if I can, like, can I use profanity or anything on here? I don't know. But um, calling you the B word or, or just putting you down constantly all the time. That's abuse. People think that if you don't have a black eye or a busted lip, you're not being abused. You can be abused financially if your partner withholds the funds for the household, if he, you know, you have to give your check to him or he manages all of the money to where you're financially dependent on that person, that's abuse as well. I mean, there's, then you, of course, you have the physical abuse. It's just when your partner is looking to use intimidation to control you, to manipulate you, Gaslighting is where they tell you you won't be anything without me. Nobody will believe you if you tell, um, you know, you're worthless, you're you're nothing. All these things is, is just forms of abuse. And if anyone is going through it, um, I encourage one to recognize the signs because a lot of people make excuses for things I did to myself when my ex if I didn't answer the phone quick enough, you know, it would, you let the phone ring three, four times. You're supposed to answer the first or second ring. You, you know, then the accusations, what were you doing that you couldn't answer it the first time or the second time or whatever. Um, I would make excuses like, oh, 
he's just worried about me or, oh, he's just insecure and I have to make, make do something different so that he's not insecure. Like the controlling, that's a, that's a definite sign. Um, a push, a shove, I mean, that's not okay. You have to recognize if they're getting mad and, and you this little things, if you find yourself walking on eggshells and one of the, you'll find yourself doing, along with making excuses, you might start blaming yourself. Well, if I hadn't have done this, then he wouldn't have done that. He says he's sorry, he's not going to do it again. So you have to pay attention to the signs. You have to, if you believe you're in an abusive relationship or someone that you know is in an abusive relationship, there's, you can Google, Google's my best friend, you can Google your local domestic violence hotline, you can Google and say what are the signs of domestic violence, and if your answer is yes to any of those questions, then you need to talk to someone, like whether you talk to a trusted friend, a family member, call the hotline and speak um, anonymously, but it's just recognize the sign and, and seek help and, and get out because you don't have to be there. You don't have to take it. Um, it's a cycle. You, you, it's the honeymoon phase. Everything is good. Everything is sweet. You're lovey-dovey. There's an argument happens. That person gets mad. An abusive reaction happens, whether it's just words, they hit you or whatever, then it's I'm sorry, it's a remorseful stage, you get gifts or whatever, then you're in the honeymoon stage again, and then it starts again. It just keeps going again. So. Now, this is, you know, digging a little deeper and a little more personal, but um, I know mm-hmm. you've shared your story on stage and on different platforms. What would you say was, like, your hardest thing, like, your hardest situation, like, I don't know how to word this, the hardest thing to deal with when you were in that situation? Mm, that's a good question. Um, the hardest thing to deal with was, I don't because you get used to seeing two different people. So you have this person that you love and then you see them and they're a monster. So it's like you're trying to, you know, you're looking at this person and it's just like when they're a monster, you're, you're, it just hurts. It's heartbreaking, you know, and you're just like, what did I do? Like, what, like, this can't be the same person. And then when they're not the monster, quote, unquote, then you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for it to come back. It's like the little girl who's afraid to, you know, she she thinks there's a monster in her closet or under the bed or something, and she's afraid to go to sleep, you know, and then she wakes up the next day and she realizes she made it through the night, and it's just like, okay, but she goes to bed the next night just as terrified. I mean, it's just this cycle. So the hardest thing was just to finally admit to myself, like, this is who this person is, you know, that this monster is not pretend, is real. And just going to sleep and waking up and pretending it's not there is not going to make it go away. So I had to make a decision. And, that's you know, whether I leave 
and, and, and try to salvage myself because it got to a point where I was suicidal, um, you know, very, very depressed. I got rid of all my social media. I'm very close with my family, um, but they're out of state. So I, it was easier to hide from them. So if they called me, it was just easier to say, oh, everything is fine. Oh, I'm good, and just kind of cut the conversation short. But for my friends, I stopped um, going out. I stopped going to open mics, stopped writing. I would just literally, I became a shell of myself. And then I have two children who aren't by, I don't have children with this ex. And um, I just saw who I was becoming, and it was affecting who I was becoming as a mother. And I just had to make that decision. I had to choose me over him. So, what do you think was that, that turning point? Like, what do you think was, like, the final straw for you that you were like, that's it, like, I'm more, I'm more worth, I'm worth more than this? What honestly made me leave, it wasn't even after um, the last time he put his hands on me because I went back. And the last time he put his hands on me, um, I had two broken ribs and a type 2 concussion, and I still went back. And what, you know, he promised, he said, you know, I never, that that was the worst that it had gotten up until that point. And he said, you know, I'm not going to do it again. I'm sorry, and this and the third. And then maybe a month or two after we got into an argument and, um, I have to say that this was my first interracial relationship, so he was white. And in the argument, he called my mother and my sisters a nigger. So that's what made me leave because, for me, it was one thing to not stand up for myself, you know, and blame myself for certain things, but it was another to not stand up for the women I love most in the world and they weren't here to defend themselves. So that's what made me leave. Not all the hitting and the name calling and the choking and all that other stuff. It was that. So that brings, that's like full circle um, for my next question. Um, <laughs> you know, like like you just said, like when, when, it wasn't even you that you were protecting. It was somebody else. And then, you know, in the beginning you right. said you wanted to teach girls what is healthy for you and what isn't. Um, right. I guess my question is, as a society, how how good of a job do you think we do that? Um, in doing this, I've met some amazing people, like amazing Women and men alike and, you know, amazing organizations, including yours, and just different people. And I think these people do a great job in bringing awareness and that there are people out there who want to learn more about it. I've had friends who say, you know, I never thought about domestic violence like that. I never really paid too much attention to it until I met you or until I started hearing your story. So now jokes that used to be funny to them aren't so much funny. Or when they see things in the headlines, they pay more attention. You know, my husband, um, he is just this amazing man. And, 
you know, he's never, he's, he's over here <laughs> smiling. <laughs> um, he's, you know, he's never condoned domestic violence at all, but just, I believe in being with me and then even with my mother-in-law, she's just like, I never knew it was so, like, it's everywhere. And it's just, it doesn't have a face. It's every, you know, whatever background, education, uh, financial status you're in, it, it doesn't matter. But what's also disappointing is that the side of people who do hear about domestic violence and they don't care or they laugh or they victim shame, they think it's funny, you know, they'll say, I've, and some of the worst comments I've heard are are from women. You know, that's what her dumb self gets. She's the stupid one for staying with them. Like comments like that, and it's just really disappointing. And to be told it upsets me sometimes, but then it's also fuel to keep going and to keep educating because, God forbid, one of those people become a victim or have a daughter that becomes a victim, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's just I have to keep doing what I do and keep being uplifted by the people that my peers that are around me and people spreading awareness like this podcast and just having seminars and, you know, open um, panel discussions because, my motto is like one or a thousand. If it reaches someone, I mean, that's one more person that is, you know, whose outlook has been changed. Yes, definitely. I love that one or a thousand. Um, yeah. I had asked you that question because, you know, like I said a little bit before, before we had started, I'm getting my master's and in class we were talking about how like football teams will highly sponsor breast cancer awareness. And but mm-hmm. they won't highly sponsor DV awareness, and it was like research on like why it was that. Um, you know, you're right. We have so many organizations and people who do want to bring out the awareness of DV, but sometimes it feels like the media and like the big things that it'll catch to, and 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 the way that I think bigger on a bigger scale things would happen Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen because it's almost like as a human race we've kind of created it right um so that was kind of my question around that so my next question for you is taking it to the other side uh if you Mm -hmm. are somebody who is not dealing with domestic violence you yourself are not in a domestic violence situation but maybe you know somebody or somebody has come to you what would you recommend that person do I actually had someone um, ask me that today. She believes that she asked me um, what are signs or symptoms of, like, domestic violence, like if you think your friend is going through it. So one of what she said was that she had a friend that all of a sudden withdrawn and has unexplained bruises. And um, she said she doesn't know what to do. She, every time she tries to talk to her, the friend shuts down. So I I told her that that's definitely a red flag um, for domestic violence. Now, um, I can't because I don't know her or the situation. I can't say 100% sure, oh, yes, she's in an abusive relationship. But definitely, definitely a red flag. And I told her one of the main things is be there for her. You know, don't give up on her. You have to meet people where they are. 
So if she's not ready to talk today, you can't force her to talk. And but you ha- you can still plant the seed that says, hey, if you if you ever need to talk, no matter what it is, I'm here to listen. No judgment. Whatever you need to say, I'm there for you. You know, and just keep that if. If you haven't heard from her in a few days or so or a week, just let her know, you know, I'm concerned. I'm worried about you. Can we meet for lunch? Or, you know, can we just sit down and talk? I just haven't seen you in a while. And then if you find out, okay, this friend is in an abusive relationship, um, I've had people tell me they get frustrated. I've had people actually say, you know, I don't understand why they don't just leave. Like, why not just leave? And it's not that simple. I didn't even have children with my abuser, and it wasn't that simple for me. But I was in a situation where, you know, um, one, love or what you believe is love has you, like it's, I always say if someone has you mentally, the rest is easy. So then there's a woman right that I know of right now. She stayed for so long because she has children with this man. Um, she wasn't working. And he was a provider. And now that she's left, she can't find a shelter, to, a shelter to get into. So women have said it's almost like I might as well just stay and get beat up if, if it means my kids will have somewhere to stay. So you can't just say to someone, why don't you just leave? There's so many circumstances why they may not. Um, sometimes the most dangerous time of a woman in that situation in her life is trying to leave the situation. I mean, you have to plan it. You have to, you know, make sure your eyes are dotted and your T's are crossed because it can like be life threatening for a woman to try to leave. And, and it's a catch twenty two because it's like it's life threatening for her to stay. So you just have to listen with no judgment. You have to let them know that you're there. You can't say things like, you know, I just think it's just stupid of you to. You can't, it's not helping to be little, and they're already getting that. So you can't just be like, you know, it's just stupid that you're in this situation. But I understand why it would be frustrating for a friend to watch someone that they love go through it to the point where they just want to give up. They're tired of hearing the same story over and over and over if they're not going to leave. I understand what they're saying, but you can't give up on this person. So um, I would also like to point out, don't put yourself in danger if you're that friend because while you want to help your friend you have to be mindful of the safety of yourself and of your home and your family so i've seen and heard of women trying to help their friend and you know if you if your friend is in a dangerous situation you going to get in that same dangerous situation is not going to help you need to call the authorities get the police involved something but it's just so many ways. Prayer, prayer helps. Um, Definitely. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. What you said, um, you know, the first thing you said about, like, not telling them, like, oh, why are you staying in this relationship? Or, oh, this this is crazy. Like, they know it's crazy. Um, exactly. And they know that it's a problem. They don't need anyone else to tell them that. And you know, one of the questions I had asked you was, like, what was one of the hardest things? And you said love, the, the love that you did have for him to some extent, what your definition right. at that time of love was. And for me, um, 
I was in a domestic abusive relationship for three years, and I would say the one thing that kept me in it was my my fear of judgment, like that fear of me right. telling people and people being like, "What are you doing?" Like you know, and and it was because I had told one person, and that one person didn't didn't um, they weren't that support. I couldn't trust them, and it was like that. And and they say that like you know, a victim usually a survivor usually um contacts one person and that's that one person and it's like that one shot and once that Mm -hmm. person lets them down they won't reach out to anybody else right i mean i remember calling a radio station uh um i was sitting in my car and it was like calling and tell a secret or if you want some advice and i call i was sitting in my car and i called in and they said okay you know i gave some alias I was, like, terrified that if he was listening, he would recognize my voice or someone, one of our mutual friends would recognize my voice or anything. But um, I said, I'm, my boyfriend is beating me, and I don't know what to do. And it was a male and a female host, and the male laughed. Like, you know, like, a, really? Like, that's your question? Like, that's what you got to say? Like the thing, and a woman's like, she didn't laugh, but she was kind of like, wow, hun, like, so why don't you just leave? You know, and I just felt so stupid and ashamed and humiliated, and I hung up. And I didn't tell, and I was like, I won't tell anybody else. And I think it was maybe like a year later before I actually got up on a stage and, and told someone, but over a year. So, that's that's exactly right. Like, if you make them feel, um, if you give them the same type of, you know, they feel ashamed every day. So to make them feel that they trust you and they're confiding in you, this is, like, one of the most Honorable. humiliating things to admit to someone, right? And then you laugh or you just, like, well, just leave. Like, no big deal. Like, I don't understand why you're still yeah. dealing with it. So... Yeah, I think as a as a trusted person, like if somebody was to come to me, the first thing I would say is like, thank you for trusting me with this. Right. Um, I say that to every woman who reaches out to me, thank you for reaching out, you know, because mm-hmm. it validates their feelings. And just, I mean, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a small feat for them to do that. Definitely. So with GROW, you kind of mm-hmm. touched on it in the beginning. What is, what would you say, like, if you were to give three recommendations to women who are raising girls or boys, how can they teach their children, you know, what is healthy relationships? I think stats show that interpersonal violence um, starts at age 12 with, Mm -hmm. you know, kids in middle school and small relationships that we don't think that that can be happening, but it is. Um, What would you recommend? I think first teaching them what respect is, respecting of yourself and respecting of others. Um, I have a son and a daughter, and I let them know, you know, you, you, you need to know that you're, you're perfect as far as, like, no one's perfect, but, like, who you are, you are perfect as you are. You know, you don't allow anybody to demean you or make you feel less than a person. You don't allow anyone to make you feel, like, this big. 
not even yourself. You don't tell yourself that, you know, um, I'm not worth this or I'm, um, I'm dumb or I should have, uh, you know, I can't do this. Like you, you need to know that how amazing you are and with respecting of others, you, you have to give that same respect to other people. You can't just treat people as, you know, as cliches are saying sounds, you treat people how you want to be treated. So you can't just disrespect people. You know, you can't just walk around calling people names, putting your hands on them or anything like that. And I think a lot of that stuff starts at home. If I walked around every day and told my kids, you're so dumb. Like, why, why, why did you get a B, not an A? I mean, that's putting that seed in them that they're less than. And then if they start getting that from other people, they continue to believe it. And once you start believing that about yourself, then you start taking all that disrespectful behavior towards you and all those untrue words as truth. So my first thing is just self-love and self-respect. And then my second thing is education. You can't pretend that these things aren't happening I've spoken at high schools before, and the things that girls, that boys and girls alike, but that they say, it just amazes me. You know, I, I asked a girl a question before. I said, what would you do with, you know, your little boyfriend? He didn't like that you liked a boy's picture on Instagram or Facebook, and he pushed you. Why are you liking his picture? What would you think? And she's like, well, I would just think that he really liked me. And he was just a little jealous. No, what you need to think is that that is not okay. You do not have the right to put your hands on me. I said, you you know, you do understand what domestic violence is. And they were just in shock, you know. Then some girls said, oh, maybe is it an abusive relationship if sometimes um, he digs his nails into my hand? Or I had a boy say, sometimes my girlfriend likes to scratch me. So education is key. You can't walk around seeing these videos on YouTube and, and thinking it's okay to get up in each other's face and put hands on each other and that you won't have repercussions for it. And lastly, I just think, like, some justice needs to happen. You can't look up to these pe- people that do, th- whether any type of violence, and there's just no repercussions for it. It's just a slap on the wrist. It's not taken seriously. You have the young man who raped a woman and got three months in jail. That's crazy to me. It just shows that what is the value of life and humanity, period. People get more than that for marijuana. I mean, it's just crazy. A woman was raped, violated, and he got three months in jail, and it was because the judge felt that he would not he would suffer if he did any more time in prison. What does that say about her? So it's just we need just education and just in all aspects. Definitely. Definitely. Completely agree. So I want to go ahead and wrap up the podcast with just kind Mm -hmm. of um first for first thanking you for sharing your story and coming on here and providing this kind of awareness and and for everything that you're doing I love your 
movement and your business and, and your vision, and I think it's so needed. So big thank you thank to you. that and super big <laughs> blessings you. for you. Um, so your name will be on the podcast, and I want to allow you to say if, if people want to contact you. That's completely up to you. Okay, so like my name and Facebook stuff, or <laughs> yeah, like, like if, if oh, whatever okay. information you want to give, if people, if you know somebody is struggling with DV or they know somebody who's struggling with domestic violence, whatever kind of information you want to give for them to get in touch with you. Okay, well, my name is Nisha Harms. That's N like Nancy, E I S like Sam, H A. Last name H I M is a Mary E S as in Sam. Um, you can search me on Facebook just by um, searching my name. I also have my um, artist page as far as my spoken word artist page. It's www.facebook.com backslash BDiz. My poet name is Beautiful Disaster. So B-E-A-D as in David, I-Z as in Zebra, 126. And my Instagram is B-E-A underscore D-I-Z. And I do a lot of the same promoting as far as domestic violence awareness. And GROW is in the process because it's so it's like a newborn baby. So it's in the process of having the website done and um, the logo is just pretty much finished. So I'm excited to launch the social media and website page for that. But all of that will be announced on those Facebook pages and the Instagram pages that I just gave. Or anyone can feel free to email me if they have any questions. Um, it's in Himes in H I M E S at GrowFoundationInc.com. So perfect. That's I will me. put all that in the bio <laughs> as well. I will put all that in the bio as well. And then also, I just want to provide everybody who is listening with the National Domestic Violence Hotline number. Um, if you felt like you wanted to call in somewhere anonymously and you just kind of wanted to ask questions and maybe you just wanted to get some opinions from some advocates that are ready to listen to you, their number is 1-800-799-7233. That's 1-800-799-7233. Thank you again so much for being here. And to all the listeners, thank you so much for joining us every single week. This is V, your space maker, sending you lots of love and light. See you on the next show. Thank you.